안녕하세요. Good morning. Uh, good morning, my dear brothers and sisters and clergy and ambassador for peace. 안녕하십니까. Yeah, today uh, I'm going to go to the, um, what is that? Uh, San Francisco area. I'm so excited to go there. Um, uh, two days ago, uh, I went hiking with three missionaries who are students of Sunman University and other leaders. And we really had a good time by feeling God's heart through nature. Whenever I see the nature, really, really, nature really healing my heart. I really always appreciate the nature, really. Nature really comfort me, console me, and I can feel like a God's bosom, you know. Sometimes you are so stressful, even though you are so much busy. I think you need to see nature very often, and then really beautiful. Yeah, I think it's a good photo, you know, our UPF leader, NASA couple, and then Jose and the Sunman University students, something like that, our, our Reverend Tengan together. Yesterday, uh, we had a breakfast meeting with the CAR members and Kodan uh, leaders and KEA elders at, uh, uh, Pasadena house. It was a very beautiful and kind of the internal sharing meeting. It was very good. Especially, I can feel that really promising future from our club members. Today, uh, this is a group photo. And uh, today, I'd like to talk about women as the turning point for peace from True Mother's Anthology, uh, Volume 2. Let's study. Women as the turning point for peace. Since such a women's peace movement can only be realized through global cooperation, that goes beyond the NGO level. We hope that the launch of the ABLE Women's UN will be the starting point from which the women's peace movement can establish itself in society as the Global Women's Peace Network, GWPN. Looking back, today's historic ABLE Women's UN Assembly began with the establishment of the Women's Federation for World Peace which the Reverend Samyang Moon and I jointly founded as a central organization for the women's peace movement. With the declaration of the advent of the global era of women, WFWP was established in accordance with the will of heaven on April 10, 1992 at the Seoul Olympic Stadium. That inaugural event was attended by women representatives from some 70 nations, plus 150,000 Korean women leaders. Furthermore, the goal of the Women's Federation was not to, to be another ordinary women's organization. It does not aim to be an external, political, and combative women's rights movement, mainly targeting men and advocating the expansion of women's rights gender equality, and the women's labor movement. Rather, it is a global peace movement on an entirely new level with the providential significance of realizing the ideal world as God envisaged it at the creation. 
inaugurated against a background of such providential significance, WFWP has engaged in diverse activities over the past 20 years, geared to realizing the vision and ideals of pure love, happy families, and a peaceful world, transcending the barriers of race, religion, language, and national boundaries. This has been carried out in the spirit of Reverend Moon's founding message, in which he urged us to expand a model movement of true love to the whole world based on living for the sake of others. Yes, True Parents said that they hope that the, the launch of the uh, ABLE uh, Women's UN will be the starting point from the which the women's peace movement can establish itself in society as the global women's peace and uh, peace network, which is CWPN. The goal of the establishment of Women Federation for World Peace was not to remain as another women's organization. It is a global peace movement of a new dimension with the providential and historical significance of the uh, realization of the ideal world of God's creation. In particular, we have achieved remarkable development and growth through the establishment of the true love family based on uh, true motherly love, uh, various educational programs, support, and volunteer activities to Im improve the status of the women and international conflict resolution and reconciliation and movements, my brothers and sisters. What I felt after coming to LA this time was that I had a, some kind of a very clear vision where we should hold a one-day peace seminar centering on VIPs and leaders connect through the ACLC, UPF, and YCLC, you know, uh, and in each uh, this uh, sub-regional, uh, you know, as well as the Women Federation to encourage them to study the divine principle and educate educate them to register for Chanbo One. I was so impressed actually UPF activity in LA. They are really so really prominent people. I think uh, if. Of course, we can do something through ACLC, but the number of the ACLC is still not enough. Really, we're working together, centering on four major organizations, which is a Family Federation and ACLC and UPF and YCLC and then Women Fed, and then we bring them together. We need to educate them very clearly, divine principle, and then we need to really educate them had, uh, let them receive the blessing, 43-day condition. Also, we need to teach them divine principle, you know, one on through one on one, and then let them register for Chanbo one. Then we can uh, reach our goal more faster. In the, in the beginning, I just really want to break through that kind of goal through the ACLC. But since I met UPF, the members, I feel really great potential. That's why I really I'd like to suggest our each sovereign, sovereign leaders uh, next year, beginning of next year, let's break through. We need to really bring, invite all the VIP, educate them very clearly, and let them learn thoroughly divine principle through one-on-one. -on -one. I have confidence 
how can I educate them? Plus, we need to explain the registration for Chonbo one as well. Leaving divine principle, the spiritual fall, and the let's study. The spiritual fall and the physical fall. God created human beings with two components, the spirit self and the physical self. The human fall likewise took place in two dimensions, the spiritual and the physical. The fall which took place through the sexual relationship between the angel and Eve was the spiritual fall, while the fall which occurred through the sexual relationship between Eve and Adam was a physical fall. How can an act of passionate love be consummated between an angel and a human being? All the emotions and sensations felt between a person and a spirit are exactly the same as those felt during contact between two earthly people. Undoubtedly, a sexual union between an angel and a person is possible. We can understand this more clearly from the fact that there are reported cases of earthly people leading a married life with spirits. Let us study Father's word. The archangel's feeling of receiving less love. The devil was originally the archangel. He was a creature made to be an assistant during the creation of the heavens and earth. As an assistant, he was aware that God loved Adam and Eve, whom God created as his son and daughter. But he saw that God loved Eve very much and felt that he received less love than Adam and Eve. Besides, he thought that everything created centering on him went to Adam and Eve after they were created. When parents love the younger child, then the elder child begins to hate him or her. This is human nature. It's just the same with the archangel. Naturally, it's not bad. It is for protecting the absolute standard of a system. This kind of guidance is very important. I think our divine principle did not properly explain, but Father's word is very clear. So let me explain a little bit more. Originally, the archangel was a create a creature, right? So created for, uh, to play an assistant role when creating the heavens and the earth. Before creating Adam and Eve, the archangel monopolized God's love. But after creating Adam and Eve, he saw that God's love for them really uh, exceeded what he received and felt a decrease in love. If the parents uh, love the younger child, just now father mentioned that the old one start to hate him or her, human beings have the ability to compare love, even if they had not originally fallen. However, that comparing nature is not a bad thing. Then why did God create human with the ability to compare love? This is a very important father's question. Again, then why did God create human with the ability to compare to love? It is to protect the absolute standard of a system. The difference between God's love for all things, God's love for uh, archangel, and God's love for his children must have, have a 
hierarchical and vertical difference. Again, what is that? You know, uh, have what? Hierarchical and vertical difference. Feeling a sense of decrease is not a sin in a seed, another uh, not a sin in, in itself. But how do you digest that sense of decrease is important? It is the uh, an original nature of the human beings to be born with the ability to compare love. God did not create to love all things and humans and angels and humans with the same dimension and value. Different level. Everyone needs to know where they are in their position or uh, as all things are like all things, angels like a, uh, like a servant and human beings as children should share love in their position. Without this comparative ability, what would be the order of God's love if humans and animals and angels and humans could have a sexual relationship together? Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is very, uh, very clear about that. You know, we need to understand about this one. Father saying here again, okay, I want to explain again. And all, as all things are like all things, angels are like a servant. Angel create as a servant. Human being create as a children, different level. Should share love in their position. If you don't have that, that kind of the differences and the value, then oh, I can tell you and me saying we can have a sexual relationship, we can relate anytime, we can associate anytime with all things. Something really, that's why Father talking about, you know, vertical, you know, system. Have to be very clear about that. If you do not know how to distinguish the vertical system, become very, very confused. So that's why God provides each one of the human being, you know, comparative ability. Huh? Oh, servant's level is like that. Children's level like that. The level of all things like that. Need to have a comparative ability. If you don't have, then really big issue. You know, no respect God, you and me same. We need to understand very clearly why God created like that. This comparative ability, without this comparative ability, you know, God's the order, uh, the, God's, the, the order of God's love really become very confusing. Okay, and next. Even God absolutely obeys true love. Reverend Moon blessed the saints with murderers this time. From God's point of view, Satan came from God. God made him. The reason Satan felt less love was due to the love of God. Since everything came from God, God has to digest it all in order to unify everything and become one. There should not be a God who is not able to digest it and gets diarrhea. What if love has diarrhea? What if love gets sick? True love owns subjectivity, which is more than enough to digest everything eternally. Even God can obey based upon true love. Through this, the logical foundation that is able to settle the unification of the whole world can start. Christianity has thought so far 
that the absolute God can do anything he wants. But that's not true. The reason why the Unification Church is great is because it reveals the fact that even God absolutely obeys true love. Yes. True parents blessed the four great saints, as you know, and even the worst murderers in history, such as Hitler, although the fall was caused by human error, uh, human, uh, human's sin, God had to play, uh, bless even the murderers because God as the creator must take responsibility for everything. Satan, the devil, and all by products of the fall ultimately originated from God's creation. So it is a historical event that true parents took care of this on behalf of God. Since God is the God of the true love, God himself must absolutely obey the principle of true love that he established. Many believers thought that the absolute God could, uh, could do whatever he wanted and how he pleased. But this is not the case. The, uh, the greatness of the divine principle is that even God must absolutely obey the principle of true love that he established. If God does not practice about his own principle of true love, who practices that? God showed the model. He also needs to obey to his own principle of true love and universe, right? Since both the fall and creation all originated from heaven, God, with the heart of the parents, took responsibility for the fall of a human being and worked hard to restore them. From that standpoint, we can see how miserable God is. God needs to follow his own principle. You know, oh, you know, someone is a wrong guy and a really bad guy and need to have judgment, immediately judge this and that without, without the following the law of the indemnity or what, then really big issue. That's why God is a really amazing God. God showed the model. He obeyed to his own principle of true love and universe. Therefore, it's in God's ideal world, no matter how evil the world is, such as hell, it must be completely abolished. In, in that respect, you should know that hell is something that needs to be abolished someday, not a place that will remain forever. According to each religion teaching that, you know, kind of the like, you know, uh, the existence of hell is like, a, you know, absolute destiny, uh, uh, absolutely uh, exist forever, kind of. Those who commit the, uh, commit the sin and need to go to hell and stay there and forever. But what I, what do we know through parent guidance? How to abolish someday the hell? There is no more hell. No one remains in the hell, which is a total salvation. If uh, God uh, create the hell as, as, as the eternal kind of the place, then God is not good God. God is not good God. Nick, he kind of contradictory, right? God is absolutely good God. Does not allow even small percentage of the evil. Does not allow originally any kind of the hell of the hell of the hell. Any sin. Oh, 
total liberation. That's why Father always talking about, I came to the earth, you know, to liberate hell. If you liberate hell and dig out the hell, there is a kingdom of heaven. That's why anyone experience of kingdom of heaven, you need to go through the hell. You liberate hell, that is the kingdom of heaven. That's why I really appreciate Father such effort. Why he came to Las Vegas? Everybody say Las Vegas is sin city. Many people, all religious leaders, why he create something over there, Las Vegas? Father think that if I liberate sin city, which is Las Vegas, he's like a representative liberating the hell. That's why Father go there as the worst place morally, worst place. I need to really create this place as a holy place. If I create model place in Las Vegas, and this means I can really build kingdom of heaven, entire world. That was the father's motivation. Do you understand what I mean? Many people say, oh, Father, go there, maybe gambling or what? You need to know that what is true parallel original purpose. You know, father and mother is really amazing. They are truly the Messiah. Do not judge, do not judge only externally. You know, what Father is doing. I really, really admire Father and Mother. As a religious leader, go to Las Vegas. I love that place. And educate so many people. And create an you know, iPad. They try to educate so many people as the able, able United Nations headquarters. Wow. Thank God. You truly love the world. You truly love all mankind. Even worse place. He go to the even worse place like hell of hell, like Hunam. Tenbori. Still love them, care for them, pray for them. He is a really amazing guy, our father. How can we deny he's the Messiah? Today's youth ministry, children who are loved by their mother become children of filial piety. Let's start it. Children who are loved by their mother become children of filial piety. Love makes your heart attached to your object partner and miss it. All children become filial children when they receive the utmost love from their mother. However, when a child is raised being beaten by their mother, it is easy for them to become delinquents. Under no circumstances should parents use the language of violence against their children. They should use honorific language. My dear, my special one, this mother exists because of you, son. Parents must always respect their children. That way, the child's stubbornness will disappear. They consider their mother's love as the best. A child who has received love from their mother is willing to ask and report anything to her. Mom, what should I do about this? But when the mother gets angry with her children, hits them, and makes them feel bad, the children feel resentful. A lot of children wander off because their mothers yell, and talk down to them in an adult position. Yes. 
whether a child becomes a delinquent or filial son depends on how much the child is loved and raised by the parents. When children are beaten by their parents and always scolded, it is it is easy for them to become, you know, uh, delinquent. Under no circumstances should parents use the language of the violence against their children. They should use, you know, uh, honorific language. Hey, my dear, my special one, my prince, my princess, this mother exists because of you, son and daughter. Parents must always respect their children. You must give consistent encouragement and praise to your children, in particular children and youth grow very well when they receive constant encouragement and love and praise from the first generation. In the end, children's stubbornness disappear in front of parents' great love. If parents use respectful words for their children and always encourage and love them, the children will think of their parents as the best. Children who are loved by their mothers, especially their mothers, try to ask and report anything very naturally. But when the parents get angry with their children, hit them and make them feel so bad, the children have a heart and feel resentful. A lot of children wander off because their parents yell and, and talk down to them in an, uh, in an adult position. Actually, I really, I, when I prepare this content, I really repent a lot. You know, how much do I educate my children very well? Even though they receive the blessing, still far away to go. That's why their shortcoming comes from where? Comes from me. I cannot blame my wife. My wife is better than me. Their shortcoming came from me. That's why when I see, you know, you know, their shortcoming and weak point, wow, people starting family. If I remove that kind of my fallen nature, how about now? The quality of my children is much, much better. As you know, I'm going to be 66 years old. And then, you know, already children, already grown up. And then now I start to realize my life is getting better, getting closer to God. But already children, already born, already grown up now. Oh my God. People starting family. If I remove all kind of my struggle and conflict and fallen nature, you know, my children's quality, how much it become better? I feel so sorry to them. I cannot blame them. You know, of course, my children, they are still very faithful and then they try to do their best. But centering on God's point of still far. My brothers and sisters, that's why some of our children now they receive the blessing and go and she and they're wondering. You know, of course, as the parents worry about them, first of all, we really need to repent 
in front of God, in front of true parents. We need to stop from the repentance. If we truly repent, you know, environment, spiritual environment really very much changed, even though they become only the adult, even though they left the church or do not connect to church, even, even though very late, show as the father, as the mother, with a repentant, repentant heart, with tears, even though cannot express much, you have that kind of heart and mindset. Your children, even though they grow up, should be influenced by you. Huh? Even though late, do not give up. No, you and me, we are carrying on all the time, same kind of fallen nature, right? And without giving up, still serving them, loving them. That's the point. Next. Have sincere respect for children. Parents, try to sincerely respect your children. Children act based on their original nature, so they know very well whether their parents value them or not. Children don't know their parents' hearts by learning some kind of psychology or ethics like adults do. Children know by their original nature. Children are not taught to know that. Children know automatically because their hearts are pure and innocent. Children live according to their original nature. So even if they don't know the principle, they automatically know the answer when they think, when is my heart happy? Therefore, my heart is God. In other words, my conscience is God. Then what can I do to strengthen my heart and conscience? Living for the sake of others gives you strength. If you live for the sake of others, your conscience is clear. If you have your own stubbornness and your own concept of possessions, the fallen nature asserting me will appear and you will become a coward, a lonely person, a troubled person, and your relationship with other people will deteriorate. Yeah. If parents serve and respect their children as if they were serving their parents and able figures, there is no child that does not change. Children act based on their original nature. So they know very well whether the parents value them or not. Since any human heart are spiritual beings, they understand well by original nature, even without you know, academic uh, study. Since God created our original nature and works centering on uh, that nature, if we ask our original nature, uh, we uh, imitate, uh, uh, yeah, we immediately uh, get our answer. Even if you don't know the principle, if you think, when is my heart happy? Where uh, you automatically know the answer. Therefore, my heart is God. In other words, my conscience is God. Then what can I do to strengthen my heart and, you know, uh, what that conscience? Living for the sake of others, giving, gives you strength. If you live for the sake of others, you will gain all wisdom. You know, one who loves someone so much, 
then you can gain wisdom how to love that person. As much as I love God, I, I, I can get, you know, incredible wisdom from heaven. And then I can apply to my family, my society, in my working place. Wisdom comes from love. No idea. I don't know how to love my son. He already left the church and met you outside. No idea, really. I'm struggling with my wife and children. This and that. No ideas. You know, what to know, what to do. Before you're saying like that, you need to know that. How much do you really sincerely love them? As much as you love them, God will provide wisdom how to love them. Because wisdom comes from love. Sometimes no idea how to unite with your spouse. You need to think that. You know, before solving the problem, how much do I love my wife? How much do I love my husband? If you reflect that point, then immediately you can gain the wisdom how to love your spouse. Same things. If you have your own stubbornness and your own concept of the possession, the fallen nature assaulting me will appear. And you will become a you know coward, a lonely person, a troubled person, and your relationship with other people will uh, deteriorate. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Next. How to naturally subjugate your husband. People who live for the sake of others will have many relationships with good people. First, you must build a good relationship centering on three generations, starting with your own family. Parents, couples, and children are three generations. But in the family, it is a trinity. If women want to get married and their husband to easily fall in love with them, they need to be praised by their parents-in-law first. Her husband is then immobilized and completely subdued. When a woman gets married and serves her parents-in-law well and is praised by them, her husband is ashamed. Why? He could not serve them that way and thinks that his wife pleases his own parents more than he does. Then, automatically, the husband realizes that his wife is precious through his parents. Then, conflicts with the husband begin to disappear. When a woman gets married and the relationship with her parents-in-law deteriorates, the relationship with her husband eventually begins to deteriorate. So, when a woman gets married, she must serve her parents-in-law, sisters-in-law, and brothers-in-law well. When a woman gets married and lays such a foundation, her husband is completely subdued. This is called natural subjugation. Yeah, not just only woman, also men's side. Before loving your wife, you need to love your wife's was that you know relatives, you know your father-in-law and mother-in-law, and then you know, your wife's uh, the brothers and sisters. Same things. A person who is for the sake of others will have many relationship with good people. The more people live for others, the more God gives them the wisdom to please others. 
How does wisdom come about? That's what I'm talking about. Loving people gives you wisdom. Wisdom comes out on how to serve that person, how to please that person, and how to solve that person's problems. First, you must build a good relationship centering on three generations, starting with your own family. Parents, couples, and children are three generations. But in the family, it is a trinity. Father using the word trinity. It is a trinity. Know that parents, husband and wife, and children are trinity of heart in your family. Oh, my goodness. In our family, who is my trinity? This is really, you know, basic trinity, fundamental trinity, right? If women went to the went to get married and their uh, their husband to easily fall in love with them, they need to be praised by their parents in law first. Her husband is then you know in, uh, immobilized and completely subdued. Therefore, when women get married, she must first subdue her husband's parents with love. Then husband naturally surrenders. This is how to subdue your husband. When a woman marries a man and is praised by her husband's parents, he respects his wife and completely disappears. This is my real example. You know, my younger brother, uh, also she married a Japanese wife. Her name is Hiroko. I completely surrender to her. Do you know why? She loves my mom. More than her husband, more than anyone, more than me. That's why entire young family member completely surrendered to her. Wow, really? I, I really, you know, my mother's character very strong, sometimes very stubborn, and speak very loud. How come she take care of my mom so well? That's why my younger brother cannot say anything to his wife. Do you know why? Because she conquered my mother's heart. And then, you know, my brother angry with, you know, our, our Hiroko-san, then my mother is very upset. How come you say like that? <laughs> my mother and then, you know, my younger brother, my wife completely unite together. <sighs> that is really. That's why I really am so grateful. Heavenly Father sent that kind of incredible gift to my family, young family. I really appreciate that. You know, that's just only women. Men also same things. That's why I, in my heart, you know, my wife said, oh, darling, maybe I need to bring my father, my mother and my father to Australia to stay together because no one takes care of them. For me, without any hesitation, Yes, I really try to love them more than anything else. If I conquer their heart, automatically conquer my wife's heart, right? <laughs> uh, so when a woman get married and the relationship with her parents, you know, deteriorates. The relationship with her husband eventually begins to uh, deteriorate. So when a woman can marry and she must serve her parents, you know, sister, you know, and brothers, you know well. When a woman can marry and lays such a foundation, her husband is completely subdued. This is called what we call 
natural subjugation. Subjugation. On the contrary, the husband must naturally surrender his wife or parents as well. My brothers and sisters, today I talk about children who are loved by their mother become children of filial piety. Thank you very much. God bless you. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Young. That was some heavenly secrets to natural subjugation in the family. In uh, this point about, also you mentioned how important it is between uh, daughter and child or father and child, this, the honorific language, and you've been emphasizing that and how uh, also you uh, sharing about how it, if we want to bring people back, it has to start with our own repentance, which is uh, beautiful and so true. Thank you, Dr. Yong, always uh, for your guidance. Now for our living testimony, we're going to bring you to the Midwest again. And this will be Chumbom Katayama, the Midwest Carp Director. He'll be sharing some updates about Midwest Carp. So please, Chumbom, please take it away. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, morning. Thank you so much for letting me speak here today. So, um, yeah, my name is Chumbom Katayama. I was born and raised in Japan, came to the States around 10 years ago, and I did two years of GPA, and then also five years of CARP in Las Vegas. Um, and actually six months, five months ago, I came to the Midwest. Um, I work with National CARP, but right now, in the last five months, I was, or in the last few months, I was assigned the subregion three carp um, leader. And I was asked to share a couple um, victories um, and also kind of how the carp has been here in subregion three. So I'm just going to share my screen and share a couple of victories and then a couple ref reflections from my part. Um, so I'll be sharing my screen. Okay, so for subregion three, um, I think one of the unique things is a lot of the chapters here, states are working together, not just with CARP members, but actually with the community members. And so in terms of the CARP goals, um, we have three objectives. One is leadership development, which is really raising our second, third generation youth. Second is witnessing efforts, which is outreach. And then third is impacting our campus based on your parents' teaching. And really the focus now has been number one and number two, um, really to raise our CARP leaders through witnessing on campus and really learning to love people. So a little bit in Chicago. So there's a lot of pictures with it too. So hopefully you enjoy, um, but um, for Chicago, a lot of the focus has been on the one-on-one -on -one witnessings and also some weekly um, events um, with CARP. Uh, they have had around 10 students are consistently studying the DP. Um, four students actually finished uh, Divine Principle the last couple semesters. And one student's currently reading the True Father's autobiography. 
and also um, in general, not just CARP members, but like I said, um, 12 to 15 CARP and community members are working together to reach out on a weekly. And also, um, these are a couple pictures from service projects and work that they do on campus and off campus as well. Um, also with Indiana, um, where I moved to really recently. Um, so these are a couple pictures and also a couple of our reports. So I think also the great thing has been really uh, investing into the one-on-one -on -one witnessings. So really reaching out on college campuses um, and meeting students. Um, so every week um, we have a student or a Kodam member or a community member or young adult um, that are paired and then we go out on campus. Um, we have around 15 of a combination of our community members going out alongside of our pastor Hebangja as well. Um, even in the last November, um, we had around a total of 60 DP studies and we have around 14 students who are consistently studying and uh, six students studying beyond the fall right now. And you might see a couple pictures on the right of all the people that are reaching out and investing. I'm also with Minnesota, there's a lot of victories. Um, so there's mainly four people witnessing on campus, also being a young adult um, CART member, college student, and also some community Kodam members that are going out. Um, right now, they have around five students who are consistently studying the DP. One student, I'm actually signed a membership um, in the, this semester. So they're officially our family fed church member and attends church service on a weekly. And also we have another student too who finished um, the divine principle and they are also continuing the study with True Father's Autobiography and also with the EDP. Um, also, um, one of the, the guests that was so grateful that CARP reached out and also for the spiritual mom to reach out that they wanted to host the CARP members and also their, um, the spiritual mom to this picnic. So this is a picture of it where they all ate together and enjoyed the time together. And also on campus as well, um, they have their weekly events that they host. Um, and actually National Carp is hosting a seven day in-depth Divine Principle workshop um, in January. And one of the new members joined and is attending that workshop as well. And what up and coming is Ohio. Um, we have a few Kodam mothers who are witnessing on campus with the support of a couple second gen, but they're up and coming as well. Um, and we have one uh, future plan coming up, which is our Midwest CARP workshop, um, which is gonna be for our newer guests. Um, it's gonna be December 26 to 28. Um, and that will be very exciting for us. Um, and yeah, we hope for your prayers for a success. Um, but there's a couple, um, I guess, reflections that I have that I would like to share. I think um, for the Midwest, I, I really appreciate the support of our local pastors. I think a lot of our victories of CARP and the witnessing efforts really came from um, working together with um, the local pastors, whether in 
Chicago, Minnesota, or Indiana. Um, there's been a lot of involvement and there's a lot of bridging of the CARP activities. I'm not being just CARP with youth, but also with uh, young adults of the community, also the Kodam members, or um, also the church members. And I see a lot of that unity that has created a lot of energy and a lot of um, results as well. And I think a couple um, really huge victories that I could also see is um, really investing into the individuals through the one-on-one -on -one witnessing. I think um, by investing into one individual and learning how to care and to love and invest into them, um, we have the potential to spread out from there. Um, but if we don't know how to really love one individual, then we don't know how to really love a greater number or the world. Um, so really putting our hearts and efforts into investing into one person and learning to love and care and teach and guide that person to God and your parents have brought a lot of victories in our um, subregion. So hopefully um, it's a little short, but um, you could feel a little inspiration from um, the victories we have, not in a way of um, sharing that we did this great things and we're subregion three, but more to really share that we have a lot of small chapters um, and we have maybe one or two people going out. Um, really small kind of communities or chapters, but they're all committed um, to go out and to find one person. And I think that's brought a lot of great um, results. So I really hope all of you, if you are doing witnessing efforts, that you feel inspired. Um, and yeah, that'll be everything for me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chingbang. Wow. Amazing. I love how, you know, calm you are with your presenting. And I know how much also like spiritual power is behind you and everything that you're doing in the Midwest. Uh, I just think it's incredible. Uh, even just to get so many people to be actively witnessing on the campuses. That's huge. To even touch one person. That's amazing. I mean, Jesus did that too. Jesus was a one-on-one -on -one kind of guy. And uh, that's how we grow. So thank you, Chung Bong, for all your effort uh, that you're making. Thank you so much.